It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, Dale here. Just, um, I know it's a second introduction to the podcast. I just, apologies for any technical difficulties you might hear throughout the show. The internet connection dropped halfway through and there was some echo which we're going to iron out in next week's podcast. So it's apologies on that front. Um, sit back, grab yourself a cup of tea and enjoy the rest. Still Giggs goes, he's through, he's scored, Ryan Giggs, he's at the goal that's winning for Manchester United. To the left, right footed, it's a clear header, and it's into the net, Solskjaer has won the European Cup for Manchester United. Welcome to another episode of the Stratycast. Last week we reviewed the Brighton game. It was pretty downbeat. And this week we're going to review the Spurs game, which, again, we expect to be pretty downbeat. My name is Dale O'Donnell, your host. And I'm glad to be joined by Philip Marcy. How are you, Philip? Hi, Dale. Not too bad. Uh, could be better. Um, oh, what can you say, really? We'll, uh, we'll go through it. <laughs> That's the kind of... Um, introduction I was expecting to be honest with you you don't really know where to start but we, 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 as you say we will jump into it Jonathan um, I suppose with pointless asking how are you because no one's going to be in good mood after after that result but um, no, I'm, 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 I'm going to go sort of faking polite happiness at this stage I suppose it's, be- it's better than being, re- being I suppose the way I am um, totally down the dumps feel like I've had yeah. a Five day bender and not knowing where where to pick my life back up again. But <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what United does, yeah. Exactly. But look, it's an it's an, it's a it's a drug. The the downs make the ups that bit better. So when things do finally start to pick up, a Manchester United, when that will be, we don't know. Um, these days will will come back and make that more of a moment 
the treasure. Um, so to get into the game, Philip, obviously the results reflects rather badly Manchester United three 0 But the, the first half performance, let's start with that because there was lots of positives to take from that. Um, how, how how did you um, make it that, and why did it go so wrong in the second half? You know, I was actually uh, talking to Megan, who supports uh, Tottenham this morning at work, and uh, he was saying he, after after half an hour, he was actually really worried. He thought that uh, we're going to get we're going to we're going to actually get done here, like we've been done in previous seasons. Uh, Spurs didn't seem up at it. Uh, United seemed to be they seemed to be creating a lot of the chances if not having a lot of the possession, and uh, there seemed to be an eagerness about them. And, but it's towards the end of that first half, you could see Spurs were, were kind of getting more into the game, creating a bit more, not clear chances, but uh, getting in behind United. Come the second half, I, don't think, I, I really don't think we could actually deal with their pace and their... And their moves, and you could see the likes of Luke Moore and Christian Eriksen. As soon as they were started spraying around a couple of passes, we we were chasing shadows. Mm. Well, actually, Raman just joined us there too. So when I jumped to Raman, would would have put question in the game. Um, someone that was at the game made it clear to me that just beforehand with the warm ups, that Spurs were doing something quite different. They were kind of playing a game of. Defenders versus strikers, but with the influence of fullbacks whipping in the crosses, and it, it looked a bit surreal apparently. And, and people were kind of suggesting that's the way Spurs are going to set up to, to hit us wide. Um, how, how did you make of the first half performance, Raman? And do you think that there were there were, there were times where defence was under severe pressure? Spurs didn't take their chances in the second half. Maybe it was a matter of Spurs being more clinical. And firstly. Welcome to the podcast, Raman. I know you joined a bit late. Yeah, hi everyone, and apologies for for the belated uh, arrival. But um, I think I think on the whole uh, we were unlucky, to be fair. Um, and you're right; they were more clinical. So they took the chances. How we came on, obviously, Lucas Moura. I thought it was quite an interesting setup for ourselves. To be fair, I was a bit sort of surprised. Herrera right back. You know, Valencia pushing on much more as a winger. Um, and Luke Shaw, by the way, I think everybody said it now. Uh, fantastic game, really superb. But I think I'm going to probably get a, a bit sort of nailed for this, but honestly, can somebody please tell me what Paul Pogba has brought to the team? Um, yeah. Even it's last nice. night, and his attitude, he said himself the other week, wasn't right. Last night, he's just ambling around the pitch. Um, if you're looking for inspiration, a leader, he definitely isn't the one. And he certainly wasn't the one last night again. Um, positionally, I'm not quite sure what, what exactly he's been given in his, as an instruction. For me, uh, actually, of all the midfielders last few games, he's the one I most definitely would have dropped. Um, but it's interesting because Spurs, I thought... Trippier struggled, actually, I personally thought. I don't think he had a great game. He, he didn't look fully fit to me. Deli Ali again, didn't look superb to me. He looked very average. He looked fit and started doing okay. Harry Kane looked not his usual self either. So I actually think that 
first half, we, we, we took the game to them. Superb for first 45 minutes. And, and that particular chance Lukaku had, had he buried that, it could have been a different game. But like I tweeted earlier on this morning, that would have just merely papered over some of the cracks because the cracks are clearly there. Clearly there. You could see that United's, uh, their, ta- their tactic in the first half was to target somebody like Danny Rose and target uh, Kieran Trippier, push him back and exploit some of their defensive weaknesses. And Danny Rose certainly coughed up a couple of opportunities, one notably the one to Lukaku. But they didn't then push on to kind of keep on, to keep at them, to make them... Uh, to make him commit more mistakes or make him uh, give away a penalty or um, get sent off or something like that. Yeah, I think the I think the other key thing was with, with Tottenham, they were superb in terms of their central defensive pairing overall. Overall. Um, I know obviously we had a couple of the chances, Lukaku in particular, even in the second half when it went to 1-1, one, one, uh, 1-0, sorry, he had the opportunity to make it 1-1 almost immediately. I think, uh, again, that was probably the only one or two times where the, the centre-halves, Tongan and uh, Aldo Weirold, uh, struggled. But other than that, overall, I thought they were, they were, they were towers, uh, pillars of strength for, for Tottenham. And exactly the reason why Jose wanted Toby. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I... I I just couldn't help thinking to myself last night, um, you know, <laughs> maybe if, maybe if you'd given the free reins to get exactly who you wanted, could have been such a different story. No, definitely. I just want to bring um, Jonathan in. And, and, and just something, Jonathan, that sprung to me. Rama mentioned he, how he was surprised by the way we set up. Um, yeah. We set up with, with three at the back. Um, the, yeah. the, big, the big surprise, and I think the only mistake that Mourinho made was the role in which he gave Herrera the right side of centre-back in, in defence. Yeah. Um, that was the one mistake for me. But this is a formation that I've noticed on social media that fans have been calling for United to play. They, they believe yeah. it's an attacking formation, which we, we played attacking football in the first half. Um, mm-hmm. Why did it go wrong? For, for me, anyway, it, it's, it's down to a poor defence that needs numbered support um, from midfield yeah. which is why Mourinho sets up with a, a controlling style of, of play which people deem mm-hmm. defensive but when we go out and attack which fans want and we concede three the exact same yeah. fans are ridiculing the manager so is it, he's not going to win either way no it, it, for me it's, it's this frustration for like 36 minutes yesterday it worked perfectly we created the chances if we weren't dominating the game, we at least had it controlled. And at that moment in the game, I'm only seeing one winner. But at the same time, I'm also concerned that because of how strong Spurs are at the back, you know, we have the chance where Shaw got in behind, pulled it back, Lukaku pretty much passed back to Larice. Nice cross goes in, header two foot wide. The one-on-one beats the keeper and then somehow manages to miss an open target, and you keep thinking, these chances aren't going to keep coming. And if at some point Spurs get one and they take that, when we then have to be even more on the front foot, given how weak our defence is at the minute, as soon as they then break on us, which they will get chances to do, we're in trouble. 
And unfortunately, there's what, two and a half minutes between going behind, pushing to equalise and suddenly being 2 nil down. Well, see, the, the other thing, too, is when you look at this, this Spurs team, and I know Deli Ali didn't look 100% last night, but they, yeah. they, they still have some quality players in this role of, say, outside the box, you have Ericsson, you have Deli Ali, and these players operating yeah. to, 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 to break down a defence and play Harry Kane in. Now, yeah. the way United played with three at the back and without numbered support, which is usually the case, they had a lot more space around that area. And I could see that developing yeah. in the first half. We were giving away chances. They weren't clinic enough. They weren't taking it. Our yes. game didn't change too much in the second half. It was a matter of Spurs catching United on the hop and, and taking yeah. their chances. And I, I actually believe in the first half, if Lukaku takes that chance, it's us that change the tune in the game. It's us uh, that take our chance. And it's us on the yeah. front foot. Spurs have to react. And what's to say that Mourinho's plan was to get that goal and then go back to his control and play with football. Then now that now that we have the goal at home, Spurs yeah. come, out, come out come out and take us on and hitch in the counter attack. Ram Raman, what what would your view on that be? Do you think that that was the plan, or do you think that in the second half we just looked um, out of ideas or without plans? I I don't see too much of a difference in the way we were set up. No, I think the thing is confidence again, isn't it? Plays a massive part in, in football. The minute um, you know. The, the minute obviously we went one nil down, you could just almost see that some of those players and most of those players, their heads dropped. Um, do you know, honestly, I don't think tactically it was, it was that bad at all. Yet again, for the third game running, we've conceded um, through big mistakes of our own, really. Um, I, I think, to be fair, if you had a ball playing centre-half, you could play the three... Um, three or two uh, at the back, you know, centre halves. Whether you got to, I mean, obviously last night, Smalling Jones and, uh, like you said, Herrera sort of played almost as the third centre half. By the way, I think he was put there because he's got a bit more game awareness and game nous, uh, and and that's why I think he was put there because, you know, he can usually sniff out danger um, better than most others, but. I don't think tactically it was so, so bad at all last night. In fact, in fact I, I think, think tactically it wasn't too bad full stop. I think, but to be fair, tactically he did get it spot on because, like Dave mentioned, we created the chances that if you take them, you go in front and you put Spurs under the pressure that we were under having gone behind. Everything's perfect. And the chances were there to go ahead. It's just, unfortunately, we spurned all of them. At nil nil, and then even at one nil, when you equalise that quickly, but no, we we just uh, yeah, you could change absolutely. And I thought, to be fair, don't do it, but I thought Jesse, um, particularly the opening exchanges, Jesse Lingard played very very well. Yeah, very very busy, very lively. I like the high press. You see, I, I mean, for me personally, I always like a high press from the forward. You defend from the front and you attack from behind. So you know that to me was was refreshing to see. In particular, in the last uh, uh, you know six seven months that we've been watching United, the pressing that we haven't really done from up top, that is what was missing. And that's sometimes where Sanchez, obviously, we've touched upon it in the past, where you know credit where it's due. Okay, things aren't working for him in terms of you know his his final uh, final touch or whatever he's. Finishing ability has diminished as well. But when you're pressing the defenders 
up top, that's where Trippier and Rose were struggling. Um, the only thing, obviously, we have to say is, uh, you know, uh, for Tottenham that that their centre-halves were immense again, to be fair. That's why we didn't really cut through them through the middle much. No, absolutely. Uh, Philip, um... Um, surely, if, if, if United were playing, actually, the best ball-playing centre-half that we have at the moment is meant to be Victor Lindelof. That's the reason he bought him. He was... You could see his, on his performances in the World Cup for Sweden, you could see how well he had played for Benfica in the year before we signed him. There was clubs all over Europe after his signature. He's probably the most accomplished player that we have that can come out of the battery with, with the ball at his feet. And yes, and yes, his confidence is shot. You could see how, you could see that when he came on, he gave away uh, two or three mistakes that led to, that almost led to further goals for Spurs. It, it, it can have a domino effect when you, when you make a, one or two mistakes because it, it, when I watch Lindelof, I, I see I see a good player. Um, we see, oh, yeah. We've seen that in the World sure. Cup. But it, it just seems that every it's mistake after mistake and you can see by him, it's just he's not getting his break. And it, it's tough for Mourinho in that sense because do you keep playing him? If he keeps making mistakes, then Mourinho gets criticised. But there's a good player in there and you're trying to crack that shell to get him out. Um, yeah. Just continuing on with Mourinho, Philip, um, after the game, because we have a few bits to discuss away from the game too, after the game, Mourinho, um, according to Simon Stone, shook every player's hand, every United player's hand, before he, he approached the referee end and gave a kind of a, had a moment with the fans, really collected a jersey, clapped, seemed gave some facial expressions of passion, really. Um, is this party politics or is it genuine that together, United, we can we can move on together? Or is he kind of saying that, look, this is um, the pressure's piling on now. Um, I want the fans on my side as much as possible. What what what, what do you make of his antics and the press conference afterwards too, I suppose, Philip? Well, I suppose he had come out before the, the game to emphasise the fans to get behind the team and uh, to make it a 12-man type situation. You... I believe that he actually made a point of there has been situations that w- like a way to Brighton where one or two players have only gone up to the away fans and actually acknowledged them and uh, gave them uh, gave them something back for for all the effort that they have done to to travel around the country and around uh, Europe and everything like that. I think uh, Marino start. I definitely think it was uh, genuine. I, whether it was um, a show of support to the team or whether it was to say that I'm I'm still the man to do this remains to be seen. Because there was certainly a lot of uh, the first conference afterwards was certainly uh, very heated. Yeah, Jonathan, something that, that, that I that I pushed on when a few weeks or months after Mourinho initially got the job. Because yeah. Mourinho has always been credited by building this kind of siege mentality of us, us against the rest, and, and and Ferguson was credited by that too. But when Ferguson yeah. did it, United were winning, and yeah. it works. When you're losing and you're and you're using that kind of mentality, to me, um, it doesn't rub off the same way. It's kind of like making excuses for yourself. I know I'm not yeah. I'm not suggesting that is the case, but because it's something that Mourinho's always done. 
Yeah. But what I'm saying, it's hard to buy into that kind of mindset when you're not seeing results. And while I, I believe that the, the players are still firmly behind Mourinho, it's results that will change that. And if yeah. he keeps making excuses for himself and the results don't start to deliver between now and maybe the next few months, um, the players will turn. The, play, the, the results aren't good enough, the oh, players yeah. will turn. So what what what, what did you make of his... Um, his, his his press conference when he he referred to how he has three league titles more than yeah. any of the rest any of the other nineteen managers in the league is that kind of pointless? We don't we don't care about that because none of those three Premier League titles were won at Manchester United. Exactly, I've got a fair amount of respect for him because what I can see at the moment is he's a guy who's just under incredible pressure because he's the boss of what we'll say is the biggest club in the world. And as a result of that, because he's come into the club with the reputation he's got, and we've got the reputation we have for winning things, there's an expectation that him plus United equals glory for years on end. And it's not happening. Now, some of that can be put down to the fact that he's been having his bought defenders, and those defenders aren't delivering. Some of that can also be put down to the fact that the club have then basically refused to back him again by allowing him to buy the type of defender that would allow him to actually play the way that we tried to play last night. Just on so, that point, Jonathan, uh, sorry to interrupt him, but just on that um, point, something that's really bugged me of late and I've seen on social media is people saying that maybe Woodward didn't didn't want to sign this half because Mourinho's already spent 30-plus million on two by Ali and Lindelof. And that's yeah. fair enough. But you take a look across the city to Manchester City and you look across at Liverpool. Um, yeah. Jorgen Klopp made a mistake by signing Karius. Um, he went yeah. back to the board and said that he wants another goalkeeper. And they, they did that. They realised yeah. that managers can make mistakes and you bought the wrong player. Here's more yeah. money to go out and fix that issue. At City, Bravo was a mistake. Nelito was a mistake. Yeah. And they gave him the resources to go out and sign better players to suit the system. Yeah. So, mate, you to, to be fair, you, you're absolutely spot on. But the difference is, other managers competing for the type of honours we want to be in the running for have made mistakes, and the clubs are backing yeah. to go out and make a better signing after. Yeah. This was the summer where it was a case of, okay, we finished second, but we were nowhere near contending. If we are to contend, we need to go out and address the issues we've all mentioned. And none of that's been addressed. Fred will be a nice addition, and I can't wait to see the young Portuguese lad come through. Absolutely. But when you look at the areas that we were flagging in last season, none of that has been addressed in the summer. Hmm. So something we were already struggling massive with is only going to get worse, because the more that sides see, well, hang on, if you just literally go at them now, they're beatable, because the problem we seem to have at the minute as well is, I'm not saying by any means that the beloved and cherished Spanish Dave is dipping slightly, but I've not seen anything superhuman from him in quite a while, and it was only the fact that he was beyond all measurable human level of goalkeeper that was keeping us in games, and without him performing at that level... It's just bringing more attention to how poor that defence is. 
Absolutely. Well, well funnily enough, enough, funnily enough, enough so just taking up that point about uh, David De Gea, I think last night was one of the rare occasions that even I thought that he's starting to get to him a little bit as well because he um, his kicking wasn't the usual. Um, and I have to say, there's a couple of times I was a bit jittery thinking, that's definitely not the David De Gea we all know. Uh, and you're right, he has been unbelievable, you know, just beyond the words really last few years. But last night, yeah, I just thought that doesn't seem right. And it, it, it was just one of those nights where he just he looked human. I'm not saying that yeah. the second and third are easy saves that any keeper should be making because they're quality finishes right into the side netting. But I think they're shots at his goal that a Dave in his absolute peak form, even if he's not getting away from the goal, he's getting more of a glove on it than he did last night. Yeah, look. It's, well, it's, it's a sad and vacant. Yeah. I never said that one. I only saw that the goals afterwards uh, when I got back home. And, uh, and I looked and I thought, Lukaku's positional sense there. Now, I'm pretty sure obviously he wasn't the man on the post, but as soon as that ball has gone, the trajectory has gone towards Harry Kane, he should have easily been covering that back post. He was caught in no man's land. I don't know whether he was supposed to pick somebody up or not, I don't know, but usually we've had players on the post, and that's the type of thing where I would expect David De Gea, and I think I mentioned this the other week as well, to be a bit more vocal and organise his defence wherever they're supposed to go. That's the type of thing that's also missing. To be honest with you, the whole club, if I'm honest with you, at this moment in time, is become a bit of a laughing stock from top to bottom, whether it's the Glazers, whether it's the board, whether it's the players, whether it's the manager, whether it's the coach. The cohesiveness has gone. Uh, there is absolutely no clear direction as a club, as a whole. I mentioned it the other week. I think the Glazers have become a huge problem, just as Ed Woodward has. And if I'm honest with you, I know everybody says, oh, but Jose in his third season, look where he's gone, he's done this. I don't think Jose wanted it to turn out like this at all. In fact, if anything, I think Jose wanted to prove to everybody, including Guardiola and Man City, that actually I'm still the man. That's why I think he was more cheesed off that he hasn't been backed this particular transfer window when he knew the deficiencies. And that's where Woodward has left him out to hang, you know, hang him out to dry, really. And in return, I think it's almost a case of Mourinho saying, well, do you know something? You've left me in no man's land now, so I'm going to have to play the likes of Herrera in defence. It's just horrible to see something's going to have to give very, very soon. Something's going to have to really be very, very soon because it can't continue. You know, you can't have your so-called leader in midfield who's been your captain while Valencia's been away, you know, acting as though like he's, you know, that that he's been hard done by. Not really, mate. You know, you want to leave twice now. And if you want to leave, leave, please do. You know, I really, really hope that this toxic atmosphere uh, comes to an end very, very soon because it's not good for anybody. Whether you're De Gea, whether you're any other player, whether you're the manager, the fans, yeah, it's horrible to see. Absolutely horrible to see. Look, that, that that brings on to the next part of the podcast where we're going to look at two kind of polar opposites from last night where 
an absolute stunning display from from Luke Shaw. Absolute credit to Luke Shaw for a, a player that um has apparently been mishandled by Mourinho. Mourinho has probably apparently been bullying this this player. Um, yet the player turns around this summer and explains how Mourinho's been texting him, how to develop his game. But I tell you, last night, if that was Mourinho or that was Pochettino managing Shaw, um, they'd be all wanking into a sock over over um, the lad's performance, saying how how this manager gets the best out of players. I've not seen Absolutely. one person suggest that about Mourinho, who um, by the looks of it, he he was on the touchline encouraging Shaw. Um, Clapping some of his better moments, but Shaw just looked awake. He, he, he was, oh, yeah. He was first. Well, like you said, just the rare exception that I think although Shaw was a standout, um, you've got maybe Fred, Lingard, him, and you've got two or three positives from the yeah. night that looked. I don't think Small was too reason. bad until it went tits up near the end. I think Small carried himself quite well in the first half. Yeah. Um, yeah, fair point. Um, but look. He, when 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 you have individual mistakes at the end in in a back three or whatever it is, yeah, um, it it's, it looks collective because it was all over the place. Lindelof's yeah. coming on, he 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 came into the game when it was at a bad moment, and um, I heard whispers. What, why is he taking off Jones? Well, just before Jones came off, he was um, he was holding his calf, so Mourinho was kind of forced into that decision to to take him off and to bring Lindelof on. But but, yeah. but when I brought this in about, about Shaw, and I really wanted to discuss his performance and just the, the player that, that that he was and the player that he, he's looking to become again now, the complete opposite of that was, was Paul Pogba, who showed no urgency yeah. whatsoever. Um, he's walking around like he's this prima donna. Um, and I wanted to ask you all a defining question. Um, you know, we've discussed Pogba on pretty much every podcast this season. Is what what do we do with this situation? Because right now, I've leaned from I'm hoping Pogba and Mourinho can sort this out. So actually, now I I I think it's the end of the road for Pogba. I think he I think it's a toxic um situation for the dressing room, which is only going to get worse. And he's not playing like a player for me that the warrants a place in this team. Never mind on the bench. What does he offer? What does he offer? What did he offer last night? And this is a record sign that these games when we're kind of starting to struggle. Is when he should be standing up and, and acting like a leader. He's a World Cup winner. And he looks like someone that I see on a Sunday league team strolling around, hung over, um, no urgency, no drive. And, and the fans are going to start turning on him before they turn him. Apologise for any inconvenience caused there. The Skype connection dropped while we were talking about um, Pogba's. Poor effort um, last night and, and, and previously. So, Raman, um, Pogba, where do you stand on that? Personally, I'm I'm gone beyond the stage of of wanting himself and Marine to start out. I don't think they can. I think he's having a toxic influence on the dressing room. Absolutely spot on, though. Absolutely agree. And if that's the case, my my view is very very straightforward. If uh, if you feel that you're bigger than the manager and possibly bigger than the club just because you might bring in the most revenue as a single player for the club, and that's probably the real reason why Ed Woodward wants you to still remain at Manchester United and probably prefers Jose to be out. Sorry, but um, Paul Pogba, there's the door. Um, leave. You know, you don't, you don't show me anything to say that uh, you want to turn this around for the club 
forget just for the manager, but for the club. Okay, you might not like the manager. We we can see that. That that's almost quite obvious. That is, but you're not doing it for the club, for the fans at all, and you're not even doing it for yourself. You're walking around the pitch. You're ambling around the pitch as though you're like Bambi on ice at times. We know what you can do. You've given us 45 minutes of great football against Man City last season. Apart from that, fits and starts in Europa League, little bits here and there. Nothing, nothing, nothing to suggest that this guy has given our midfield the X factor. And if you're going to carry on like that, I'm sorry, I'm pretty sure we could get a couple of hungry midfielders in your place that actually want to do something for the club and want to take the club forward. Philip, um, on Pogba and the, the clear contrast of a player that wanted to perform last night, Luke Shaw, Next week or this week, even again against um, Burnley, do, do you start Pogba? What like what what's he offering the warrants a place in this team? Are we not better off playing midfield three of Matic or Pereira along with Fred and Herrera, players that are actually want to play for Manchester United that are putting in a shift? We're we're playing with ten players. That's why I was alluding to earlier that he's the one that I would have dropped out of all the midfielders. If a player that has been captain at the start of the season against Brighton that he admits after his uh, after his performance that uh, his attitude wasn't right and he then produces a performance like that at home against what will be probably one of our main rivals for our top four position then it doesn't warrant uh, it doesn't warrant questioning he has to be dropped the man is coming into our club as a World Cup player who has won the World Cup for France he won it for France, he hasn't won it for the United, so stop pretending that you're the be-all and end-all. Performances on the pitch that will stand thoughts of fans, not your reputation on social media. No, absolutely. And Jonathan, just to, to wrap up on this Pogba, Lukaku, or Pogba and um, Luke Shaw contrast, um, yeah. anything to add on, on what, how Luke Shaw performed last night? I mean, for me, Shaw, he was just absolutely incredible. He, he played with the energy, the directness, the vision. He, it was just good to see a fullback in the United shirt that could actually get behind the opposition back four and actually put a cross in that forwards could work off. And at the same time, when we were actually under pressure, defensively, he gave nothing away that led to anything that happened in that defeat. But, I mean, on the Pogba front, it's, just, it's becoming too frustrating to even think about because the more I watch him in the United shirt, the more I understand how I annoyed every English teacher I ever had because it was like, for all the talent available, just absolutely no desire to apply it. He just wants to drift through and get to, in my case, the end of the lesson without any effort being put in. And anybody actually see him playing for Barcelona, realistically? That's another thing. How is he attracting interest in Barcelona when he struggles to pass five yards at times? His, his Hollywood passes yeah. slow down the team. This isn't this isn't a, a player that, that fits the Barcelona mode for me. And, and first of all, he doesn't look half of a Man United player, which is interesting considering he came through our youth system. 
Exactly. Well, there's, just, there's something about him that just doesn't connect to the job. He's just so unmotivated, uninterested, just... I think Fabio Capello made a very good point before the World Cup, and he was talking about how Juventus um, made a really, really, really good decision in Zeland Park, but they got lots and lots of money for him. And they kn- yeah. someone knew within Juventus that this player was so suited to Syria, he was going to go to different leagues, so he wouldn't harm Juventus. And they knew that he wouldn't be ready for the Premier League, and, and United overspent. Um, and I don't even think United overspent. I think that that's just something that Pogba has incredible attributes and he's yeah. always he's always going to be a player of premium price he's a premium player but he's not playing like one he's not a Man United player but it looks no. he, and, and to be a Man United player you have to have those key, ingre- or key ingredients but the main thing for me is attitude and oh, absolutely he might he might go on a run next month and put in five stellar performances because he has those attributes, but long term, if you haven't got the right mentality, you haven't got the no. right attitude to play for Man United, but then you, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I think right now, I'm beginning to get off the fence um, and to find that I just think Paul Pogba and Manchester United doesn't work and we need to move on. And as soon as we get a big bid in, I take the hands off him and get a player in that actually is a Man United player. Well, well, look, we've got the weeks, so I think I've got on his day, when he wants to, when his attitude's right, when his mind's right as well, on his day, he's the best player in his position in the world because he's, he's that good. But, unfortunately, the time that he's come back to United, he hasn't taken, in my opinion, more than one game by the scruff of the neck and changed the course of the game. He can't dictate the play, uh, the, the, the tempo of the game the way other midfielders have done in the past, fine, I understand that. His style is very, very dynamic. He likes his, you know, the long strides, breaking into the box, shooting from the edge of the penalty box. All that, we know that. He's done very little, but there is clearly a desire for him to maybe want to play his uh, game elsewhere. And if that's the case, don't keep him. Seriously, don't keep him. It's becoming... It's be- it's almost become that he's put himself in a, in a fantastic little position as well because he's probably a little bit of a puppet of the board and the owners because he's such a remarkable person and, and as a single player, he probably brings in the most revenue for Manchester United, Adidas and Manchester United itself. Yeah. So he's put himself in a great little position where he's almost become, in a way, almost undroppable because if you dropped him, then no doubt Woodward and the Glazers will be in for Jose like nobody's business. And when Jose plays him, he's obviously not going to put a shift in because probably he doesn't want to. Yeah, look, there's very little disagree with that. Of course, if you're listening to the podcast on social media, it's at Straight News. Get in touch with any of the views you agree or disagree with. Um, the final segment of, of this week's podcast, we're going to ask three questions, which you got from the, the Straight News forum on Facebook. Um... There's one question even in from Liverpool blog Empire of the Cup, which I think is going to get the lads going. Um, but we're going to start off with a question from Michael Jordan. Um, Gary Neville thinks Mourinho should be given more time, that the club should stand by the manager. Um, but with the fans and media turning on him, apparently, can he turn it around? 
Um, I don't think the whole fan base is turning around. Last night showed that, but there is definitely a sense within the media of an exaggerated witch hunt, maybe. Like, for instance, the, the front page the other day with the, like, there's like seven or nine pictures of Mourinho's face close up and a small picture of Hugo Lloris who was just arrested for drink driving. Like, a clear comparison of what's actually worse here. Someone's lives are put on the line, whereas Jose Mourinho's having a hard time at Manchester United. He got the more um, more publicity over that. Of course, Manchester United sell more papers than, than Spurs do. But, um, J- uh, Raman, do you think he can turn this around? And will he get the chance? To, do, you, do you agree with Gary Neville that, that we should stand by him? And, of course, Gary Neville's come from uh, a setup that he spent his entire playing career at Manchester United under one manager. He's looking at this from a different perspective than, I suppose, the modern Manchester United perspective. Well, well the, the job, job itself, itself has become a bit of a poison chance, let's face it. You know, I think uh, one of you guys just mentioned earlier on, it doesn't matter whether it's Guardiola or anybody else in charge, you know, whilst you've got that regime there. Jose is one of the very few in the world, I can't really think of many at this moment in time, that can probably handle the situation as best as possible in its current circumstances. By that, again, I'm alluding to the fact the relationship with Ed Woodward and the, and the board. Jose has, has got himself in a position where, like I said before, he's made mistakes and publicly when he's criticised certain players, sometimes it's worked and sometimes it hasn't. He got a reaction out of Martial. Uh, he got a reaction out of Luke Shaw, albeit several months later, although I didn't completely agree with all the criticism he gave Luke Shaw. He has to now be given time, in my opinion, because you can't just bring anybody. That's That can't happen. You know, that's almost impossible. So I agree with Gary Neville. Jose should be given time. But at the same time, I think that the board themselves... Uh, really need to look at themselves, you know, really, really do. And I don't think they will. I don't think they will. I think their desire is as long as we finish in the top four and we're still turning over the revenue, uh, we don't really care. Um, you're the manager, you do with all the rubbish. Yeah. Um, another question for you, Jonathan. Um, Richie Crow from the Facebook group has asked, is history repeating itself with Jose? And I suppose he's alluding to previous jobs where he fell out with players, that there was lots of negative publicity and he took lots of shoulder to blame and things just got toxic. Do you think it's a repeat in history or do you think this could plan out differently? And if so, how? Um, I don't think it's so much history repeating. I just genuinely think this is... This is a manager who's seen enough in his squad last season to know who he can rely on to push us forward and get us, maybe not catch City, but at least get closer and be a more realistic threat to. And ultimately, his bosses have just let him down because they're basically expecting him to go out again with a squad that's still lacking in many, many areas. And... Like I said before, even worse than that is the fact because people are now able to spot these weaknesses we have and that we've done nothing now in two seasons to address them, they're only easier to pick up. So, so I can see how it falls quite neatly into this pattern of where everybody's being the third season is where the wheels come off. Well, but you know, let's face it, this is the Glazers. They probably took the wheel off and sold them. <laughs> It's it, 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 it kind of been the narrative since Mourinho's got the job that people are kind of saying, like, 
and um, oh, wait till the third season comes around, it's going to go meltdown, blah, blah. But, like, okay, things are not well at the moment, but I just find it hard that Mourinho is to blame for all of this. I don't, I don't believe that for one yeah, second. I, I, I don't, don't believe for the second reason. I'm not saying it's faultless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because there, there are things that with his attitude will occasionally go wrong. But, like it's been mentioned earlier in this, you look at Klopp has made appalling decisions with his signings. Guardiola's not got everything perfect with his. But because the owners of those clubs have then supported that manager when he's gone back and said, look, I need better strength in this, 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 this area, I can then use that to drive us forward. Mm. Liverpool and City have done that. Our owners have basically said, you know, we're going to buy you a 37-year-old keeper from Stoke, but we'll sign up a new official... Tampine sponsor. Exactly. (laughs) It just... You know, we've not got one full-back, actually, not one right-back that can actually cross a ball, but we've 4,812 official partners. Can I just say that too? We haven't got a right back that can cross the ball, but at the weekend, Fozu Mensa put in an absolute incredible display, offensive display, for him. But he bumped forward and looked exactly at the missing part of, of our um, right side. That we could I, do, I, we, we I, do I'm going to be honest, right? I have to turn it off because just watching the answer to a lot of what's wrong with our side on loan somewhere else and just thinking, what? And it's not only that, John, but like he has the first facility to, to play across the back four, so it's a handy option to have within the squad. He, he, he doesn't. I'll never forget the the other thing that stands out from that 3-2 against Arsenal where Van Gaal fell over. When Foster Mounty came on and played that role in front of the back four, he was incredible. He broke play up. And it was just these long bursting 30-40 yard runs that took it from the edge of our day to their centre circle half, neat pass to someone out wide, and suddenly we've gone from being under pressure to now pinning the opposition back. And it just seemed like we've been crying out for this kind of player for so long. And all we seem interested in doing is just loaning him out to anyone that will take him. Yeah, look, and we have, as you mentioned, Klopp and... And so on. We'll have our last question before we wrap it up. It comes in from um, popular Liverpool blog Empire to Pop, who asks, "Why do United fans act like it's the board's fault and not Jose, when almost the entire team is his expensive boys? And how much would you like clock and charge so you could enjoy supporting football again?" All right. So we'll go to Philip with that one first. Well, I'd rather not have Klopp in charge because uh, he's a serial loser to begin with. And um, he consider he's a second or third season at Dortmund. They actually finished in the bottom half. They were near, they were near, near the relegation zone than what they were in the top half. So um, it, when it comes to third season syndrome, um, let's hope that actually occurs at Liverpool. Yeah, we look at it as well as that, and just add before I ask the rest of the guys this question. Um, how many seasons is Klopp at Liverpool? He's definitely there longer than Mourinho. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. By, by a good year or so ahead so, of Mourinho. So where where is his um his trophy? Any any trophies? Because uh, if this was Manchester United, he wouldn't last this long. 
because you have to win stock. You have to win silverware. That, yeah. that's, that's what success is. Now, it's Paul from Liverpool fans. But that, that, that's Liverpool now, the Irish Banter Club. As long as they can keep churning out entertaining 6-0 wins on a Tuesday that mean nothing but played with YouTube clip. Well, to be fair, they didn't win the Sympathy Cup in uh, May, like so. <laughs> exactly. He's just... That's the level they're at now. You've got their fans openly boasting that they quite happily win nothing but the hearts and minds of Europe as they swashbuckle their way majestically across it as a football playing side and as fans embraced by... You feel fucking sick reading it. It's just... No, mate, everybody hates you. You're just so full of love for yourselves, you don't see it. Look, 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 credit where credit's due. Liverpool do play attractive football. Okay? Oh, they, they do. And if their fans weren't so determined to bring that into every conversation, I could maybe applaud it a bit better. But, you know, you ask them what date is it next Tuesday and they'll just tell you there's not a better attacking front three than ours. It's just how they are. Ah. Um, Raman, before, before we wrap it up... Um, how, the end of his question is: How much would you like Clock in charge, so you could enjoy supporting football again? I I, I don't think um, whether result, re, results reflect whether we enjoy football or not. Um, if, if United lose the last the next three four games, we'll still be watching football. We'll still be cheering United on. It wouldn't make a difference to us. But is there part of Klopp's football, Pochettino's football, Guardiola's fluid pressing football? that you would like to see at Manchester United and that it's it's total opposite to what you see on the Marina, which is quite rigid. And actually, just one more point on that, before the game last night in Sky Sports, Gary Neville made a prediction that more rigid football will be lesser seen in the next 10, 15 years, that as, as cultures develop, we'll see more fluid football. And that's already coming into the English game, whereas United, we don't see it so often. And would you like to see it? Also, like too much more attacking through football. I mentioned earlier on about how Ford's not pressing the defence high enough. Um, you know, in terms of you know, ball playing centre half, playing out from the back. Who wouldn't like to see more attractive football? In answer to your question about Klopp, no, I don't want it at Manchester United. I never did, and I, and I wouldn't want to. I still think, in my humble opinion, that Jose is more than capable if given the time and more control over transfers as well, that I think he can still get certain things right. Of course, be completely 100% right. But once he can trust his defence, and including the buys that he bought that haven't worked out, which every manager can go through that period anyway, once he can get that right, there's no reason why he can't allow us to perform play the way obviously you'd like. We've done it against City in the second half. We've done it in the first half last night. We've done it in fits and starts last season. Albeit there's certain games were absolutely dragged by the way. But you know that the capabilities are there. Our forward play, I said this only a couple of weeks ago, Dale, the space between our forwards is far too big. The gaps are far too big. You know, that's where I think the importance of um, Kieran McKenna and Michael Carrick coming into the coaching squad, um, the the coaching lineup. I think that that itself should be the catalyst to assist Jose. 
But I think the fact that he hasn't been backed in the market the way he wanted to, he hasn't got the confidence in his defence. Unfortunately, that is overspilling into everyone. But if he can get that right, and when he can get that right, of course we can play attractive football. He done it at Real Madrid, by the way. I've said it before. You know, most assists, most goals scored in La Liga. Okay, yeah, great. He had some unbelievable footballers there. You can't tell me that overnight players like Lukaku, uh, Rashford, Martial, uh, Sanchez in particular as well, all these players all of a sudden are rubbish. They're not rubbish. You know, it's, it's a phase that we're... This is a tough time. This is a testing time for everyone. Players and manager alike. But you tell me Jose can't turn it around. If anyone can, he can. I agree. I agree with that, and I think it's going to be a long week. Um, that is it for this week's podcast. Um, Jonathan, how can people? Jonathan, you still there? I think Johnny's gone. Um, so, 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 Raman, how can people find you on social media? Yeah, on Roman Simple or at Roman Simple, should I say? Okay, and just one last question for you: Is Declan or no? You kind of tossed him for yes or no? Is it time to get rid of Pogba? Originally, I said no, but my answer is yes now. Yeah, I think I agree. And you can follow me at O'Donnell Dale on Twitter, at Stratty News is the, the main account, and the blog is StrattyNews.com, where we'll be covering content on United every day um, of every week. So that's it for this week's podcast. We'll be back again next Monday um, around the same time. Hopefully, you enjoyed or um, cut down of another bad result for United and hope things pick up soon Jonathan and Philip had to leave us early but surely they'll be back on as the weeks um, unfold thanks for listening and we'll see you again soon come on you Reds still Giggs goes he's through he's scored Ryan Giggs he's at the goal that's played for Manchester United right foot in it's a clear header and it's in the left Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.